You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, it's Super Bowl 55 this weekend. A game this big deserves a big prize. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of Super Bowl 55, has up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs with the Super Bowl Prediction Challenge. All you got to do to get in on this is enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl Prediction Challenge. Once you've submitted your picks, you're going to get a free instant prize up to $25,000. For the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of a million bucks. Download the app now, enter the free prediction challenge, and you're going to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012. They know a thing or two about big paydays. So all you got to do is download the DraftKings app and use the promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everybody gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use the promo code THPN and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast. Okay, we're gonna break down what was kind of a shitty game, um, but first, first, let's get to the absolute bombshell that, that Elliot Freeman. I mean, like in the middle of the intermission, kind of out of nowhere, nobody's expecting this. Oh yeah, and uh, by the way, I just confirmed that. Sam Bennett wants out of Calgary, everybody. He just totally casually threw that in. Like, I was literally, me and my dad were watching it where you're making fun of his just-for-mend hair. And then all of a sudden, he drops this bombshell. I'm like, holy shit. Elliot's pretty easy to make fun of. He's eh? like, just like one of those guys. Dude. And it's not even like, you know, in a bad way. It's just, you know, whether it's the giant beard growing off his face or... Or just for mending his hair. Or whatever it is, or that dirty ass stash he had going on for a while. The thing that he always has these—he thinks he's so wise and just bugs me. Like he's a good reporter, but he's—he's—I think he's—he's uh, he's blown his own sm- horn a little too much for me. Blowing smoke up his own ass, eh? That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Blowing his own horn. Oh my god! You <laughs> uh, probably tried that once or twice. Oh boy. So, Anyways, like, what he just he really dropped that, and I was, I was surprised. Yeah. Well, you are, but you are, but you aren't, right? Yeah, I'm not at all. If like, you think about it for 0.5 seconds, it makes more sense than anything I've ever heard in my life. So, what's your initial reaction? I want, I want to hear that first. Well, firstly, it was like because he did it the way he worded it, because everyone was like, "Oh, he's requested a trade." Ooh. He wants out. Yeah, he wants out now. It was like, well, not really. If you listen to what Elliot said, he said 
Sam Bennett's agent confirmed that he would like a change of scenery and nothing was imminent and there was no rush and the flames were radio silent. Gee, what a surprise. Gee, what a surprise. Brad, you're living pretending like nothing is going on. Hmm. So my, actually my initial reaction was why didn't they just trade this poor son of a bitch when he had some value two years ago or last year? And then my second reaction was they'll probably what will happen is they will end up losing him for nothing because yeah. Brad won't trade him. So those are my two initial reactions. My initial reaction is, you know, shock, but not shock, shock, right? Because, you know, shock, but not surprised, I guess you could say that. But then um, throughout the rest of the game, I was I felt pretty sad, actually. Yeah, it was a bummer because it's like he's like, man. I've always said this, like it is one, and you like, what do we say? The saddest, the saddest story in the, in the NHL is Sam Bennett. Yeah. He's the saddest story in hockey right now. Like well, seriously. One of them, but I'm sure there's sadder stories. Okay. But from a flames fan perspective, it's pretty sad, dude. Like if this guy had been what he was supposed to be, this team would be a Stanley Cup contender. I got his stats up here. He's played 371 NHL games. Holy smokes. 63 goals. 66 assists, 129 points in in 371 games. 304 pims. Jeez, that's actually quite a lot. But then you look at his playoff numbers. 30 playoff games played, 11 goals scored, 8 assists, 19 points in 30 playoff games. This is a guy that always comes into the playoffs on the third or fourth line. And ends up on the first or second line. Well, I think the thing that was kind of like for me, because I know I'm kind of more on the side of like Sam Bennett has never done enough to earn a spot. Like, because everyone's like, oh, give him a spot. I was like, well, he's never really done anything outside of like a few good games in the playoffs to earn it. And I always look at like somebody like Manjapani is comparable. Like, There's a guy who has earned it. He's earned the top six role that he has now. Yep. Sam Bennett hasn't really done that. But then, like, I was thinking about, like, hey, it's probably frustrating for Sam Bennett to be that good in this year's playoffs. Five goals in 10 games. Easily one of the best skaters for the Flames against the Stars. And then you come into roll into camp and Dominic Simone gets to play top six. Josh Levo gets to play top six. And you're you're toiling with Joachim Nordstrom and Milan Lucic. You're That's got to piss you off, right? Back to the fourth line. Like, literally, he was... Th- um, well, other than Cam Talbot, he was our most valuable skater in that Dallas series. So I I'm sure So I, I yeah. can understand where it's like, okay, I can understand the timing of it now because it's like, I just played really good four months ago and I'm starting the season with fucking Nordstrom and Lucic again. Could you give me a shot? So in that, in that sense, I do understand like why it would be now as opposed to previously. So here's a note I wrote down because I don't know. We we've obviously spent a lot of time on Sam Bennett on this podcast. I mean, for good reason, what do you do with a guy like this? Right. And is it all his fault? How much of it is the player's fault? Obviously there's some onus there for sure. How much of it is the organization's fault? There's definitely some onus there for sure. My issue, and I think your issue is, have both parties, i.e. the ownership and the management of this club, 
done their part because I don't know. I don't think they have, maybe they feel like they have. Um, but if that's the case, then why wouldn't you just trade the fucker? Do you know what I mean? Like if, if you, yeah. if, if you as a club have Sam Bennett slotted in the, you know, in the bottom six toggling between the third and fourth line throughout the duration of the regular season, why wouldn't you trade him? If that's, if that's truly where you see him on your depth chart, well, that's what I've never really understood is like, and, and we all know Brad has a propensity for, I mean, it's weird because he didn't in, in the early days, like he was making, he was slinging Sven Berchi for a pick that becomes Rasmus Anderson. He's slinging uh, Chris Russell for um, the pick that would become Dylan Dubé. And then somewhere on the line, he's like hoarding all these guys and then just letting them go for nothing all the time. It's like, I've never really quite understood why, if they're not going to trade Bennett and then just bury him on the fourth line. Yeah. Like, I mean, if he's if you, just, he's like a dead man walking this, the last two years. Yeah. I mean, it all comes down to this perceived value, right? I think I did a Twitter poll on, on Twitter, <laughs> um, but half the fan base says, keep them half say we're done with them. And it's like, it just kind of seems to be split right down the middle. Right. Honestly, you know what the best thing they would have been. And I was even saying this at the time. It was like, I think I even said, it was like, I wonder after the playoffs, I was like, I wonder what you could get for Sam Bennett in the offseason. I bet you could get quite a lot right now. Yeah. That's then, that would have been the time to do it. But then once you once you see what he's done in the in the offseason, you want to keep him. But that's my point is like if you if you're gonna well, <laughs> that's my I, point too, is like, okay, you his values at an all-time high after that great playoff performance. If you know he's gonna be st- starting on the fourth line with Nordstrom and Lucic, trade no, him. Get a no first. Shit. Like how is how are you managing? How is this managing your assets? It isn't. It's mismanagement of assets. It's it's like, like why didn't they trade Mark Jankowski? Just let an RFA walk. A guy who scored 17 goals one year, you could have fetched probably something decent for him. I mean, I know they tried in the Nazem Kadri trade, but it's just like, that would be even more reason to trade him for me. It's like, now he knows he's been traded. Look at the list of players just that Brad busting. has let let walk in the last two seasons. Well, there's like four. Did you send me a list? Kulak, Paul Byron, Mark Jankowski, like even TJ Brody, like even the Hamannick, Brody, Gustafson, Forbert. Hamannick, Brody, <laughs> Gustafson, Forbert. That's it's like, like not, I, that's nine players. Like, that's and like, I understand. Dude, you, you tell me you couldn't have recouped something, anything. Yeah. Like obviously he knew what the plan was. That's like, my problem, right? Like, I don't understand it. He knew. I think he knew he was not going to re-sign TJ Brody. I mean, in a year where you're, the whole season is messed up, trade him. And see, my whole thing with this is like, whatever. I'm not really, you know, if, if, if Sam Bennett, if you want to trade him, trade him. But like, what are you doing? Like, you're just back to this point is like, if there's perceived value for Sam Bennett, which doesn't match into your where you place them in your depth chart, that's where you got to make a trade because you could make your team better some other way. Like if, if he's wasting away on the fourth line again, right? Arguably there's probably, you know, half the teams in the league, you can play in the third line, no problem, right? Depending on the team, maybe he even gets a chance higher up in the lineup. That's, that's a pretty safe assumption. Right. But it's this flames team that it's just never going to happen. So if you have a player, this is where we always say with Brad, the same thing was with pro league, right? The same thing is with the problem with backland. 
It's like if the perceived value that this player can execute on your club does not fit within your depth chart, why are you making him make a mess and muck up your depth down your roster and just the way your lineup shapes up when you could single out what your true need is and use him in some sort of package, exchange that value for something else that is going to fit into your plan, into your depth chart. I guess there is no plan. That's the problem. That's what we keep coming back to. Well, it kind of feels like he's kind of been hoarding him as a trade chip. And now it's like, cause he was rumored to be in the New Jersey deal last year. I guarantee he was involved in the PLD shit that the flames were in on. He's probably been in every single trade call Brad has made in the last two years. So, but it's, it's just, it's odd to me that I don't know if it's odd, but it's, it's just seems stupid to reward the best player, <laughs> the, the player who played the best for you in the playoffs. A, if you, if you know, you're going to start him on the fourth line, if you're going to do that, if you're going to reward, I'm doing that in air quotes because it's not a reward. If you're going to give the best player in the playoffs the fourth line minutes and put guys like Simone and Levo ahead of him yep. and stick him with Lucic and Nordstrom and then be surprised that he sucks, it's like, why didn't you just trade him in the summer for a pick or a, another player? That's what. That's where I'm having a disconnect. It's just like... Like, but this seems makes to be no the... neither of the scenarios make sense. Where he, like why is he if he's staying, promote him. He earned I think he earned a shot with his play in the playoffs. If he's staying, <laughs> your goal would be to would be to make it work for him, not this have him waste away in the fourth line, right? Just, Otherwise, just, trade him and get something. I don't just get another, it. Just another classic Cadre Flames thing to do. Yeah, exactly. So that part of it, I don't really understand from a Flames perspective. It's like you probably could have sold high, and maybe you couldn't. We don't know. But I mean, seeing as yeah, I, I'm sure everybody was super high on him after the playoffs, like you couldn't have got Bob Murray from Anaheim, who has supposedly loved him forever. You couldn't have got a, a decent pick or a decent prospect for for Sam Bennett from him. I think you probably could have. So it's just it's more poor asset management to me. I've been cautioning about this since the start of the season of. You know, slotting guys like Simone, um, Levo, these newcomers ahead of these players that have been here yeah. for how many years? This is, and then now here we are, seven games in. Bennett says he wants out. And it's like, what, what kind of, you know, Brad's always so obsessed about, you know, how tight these guys are in the dressing room. What does a situation like this weigh in? You're telling me it's light in there right now? You're telling me there's not a cloud around Sam Bennett currently? I know he's a professional. You saw it with Dubois. It was really apparent, his <laughs> the way he played on the ice. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying Sam's going to be like that, but if he wants out, I mean, you saw it with Jankowski last year. Guy didn't give a shit. You kind of saw it with Brody even, right? Read between the lines. Yeah. You know, the writing's on the wall. Brody knows his GM doesn't want him. It's been a part of every trade rumor for three years. It's fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, just coming from a place of, you know, having, you know, run aspects of business before, dealing with, you know, the HR, the, the human side of things. And I get it, it's a meat market, it's a business, but fuck, for a guy that goes off on how important, the, the amount of time and money that Brad Treat, you're living, spends and invests on making sure it's a tight room. 
while simultaneously talking at the other side of his mouth and treating some guys opposite the opposite. It's fucking annoying for me to sit here and watch it. It's... And and if hey, if you're new to this podcast, like you're gonna find we're always in the in the players' corner. That's kind of what this podcast is all about. Like this is Brad's team. I don't I think when when people on Twitter just or wherever it is, you start harping on the players all the time, like Sam Bennett, Sam Bennett's fault. Well, it's Brad's team. Brad should have been his Brad should have been his <laughs> constructed this team. He's he's kept Sam Bennett, even though he's been toiling away on the fourth line with the likes of Neil, Lucic, Jankowski, et cetera, et cetera. And the only the other thing that pisses me off about it too is where else do you ever like the media is just always sitting in Bradshaw Living's lap? Has anybody ever questioned his decisions? Anybody ever questioned the head coach Jeff Ward when he absolutely stinks? Dude, if Eric Francis was as critical as half a quarter, one sixty fourth as critical of the management and the coaching staff of this club as he is of Johnny Gaudreau. <laughs> maybe he'd be useful. I literally just read an article that's fresh <laughs> from the yeah. last 48 hours. I think it was the hockey writers yeah. quoting Eric Francis. He was on a pro- podcast in Philly. There's yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that he will, that Johnny Gaudreau will not sign as a free agent. He wants to go to Philadelphia. And then his follow-up quote was, I know he said he wants to stay in Calgary his whole career, but that's just lip service. But I know what a fucking tool, dude. Everything there is to know about Johnny Goudreau. What a fucking loser. God, I hate that guy. So there's frustration here, right? Um, like I, here's the thing too, right? You know, when we go to bat for Monahan, right, in the off season, coming back to this thing, oh, all he does is score goals. <laughs> well, all Sam Bennett is, seems to do is score playoff goals. So my question to you is like, how valuable is that? (laughs) Because if scoring regular season goals is one of the most valuable things you're looking for in a game, how valuable is a guy that all he does is score playoff goals? Well, and the thing too is like, like you were saying where Brad talks about, (laughs) talks out of both sides of his ass. It's like, hasn't that been like the impetus and why we've been fed? We need guys like Lucic. Because yep. they help you win in the playoffs when it matters. Like we keep getting fed that we're bringing these specific guys in because because playoffs, 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 playoffs. Okay, <laughs> so you're gonna treat your best when your best play. Like I think he's third in playoff scoring with his team over the past six seasons or however many times they've been to the playoffs, behind only Monahan and and Gaudreau. So okay, if you're gonna tell us we need Lucic for the playoffs. And then yeah. completely just fuck with Sam Bennett all the time. So it doesn't make much sense to me. Well, and I guess like just to drive my own personal point home, and I mean, I've, I've made this plenty of times. So it's again, we're being a dead horse with most of the stuff, right? It's just like you need two teams, one to get you into the playoffs, one to get you through the playoffs. Sam Bennett is a playoff performer. Nobody can argue that. No one can deny it. Um now, if, if that's the case and you see that value and you're like, you know what, I want to give him another shot this year. 
let's, let's take one more ride at it. First, we got to make it to the playoffs. But has you have you seen? Have you heard anything? You know, in the past six seasons, five seasons of Sam Bennett being here, maybe outside of Hartley, where like anybody, any coach, anybody in management worked with him, took him to the side. Has anybody got him a, a, a mental health coach? You know, a sports psychologist? Well, I think something you touched on earlier in this season when we were just really frustrated, it's like, does he have a brain? Like when he's taking all those penalties? It's like, I think you said something to the effect of like, he's out there for like five minutes on the fourth line. He's been demoted again. And he's just trying so hard. He just, he's like, I need to get this puck no matter what, because if I don't make an impact on this shift, yep. I'm going to be playing with Lutic and Nordstrom for the rest of the fucking season. So it's like, I think that is a valid thing. Like psychologically, every time, like anytime he does anything right, he doesn't get rewarded for it. And then he's got to bust his balls every single shift. It's like, okay, I got to win this puck battle. I got to win this puck battle. I got to make something happen. I have to make something happen on this shift. Oh, he just took another offensive zone penalty with his stick because he was trying to get the puck off this guy's stick. I think there's value to that. Like he should be more responsible with the stick. But that kind of stuff, like, right? Like, you, like for a guy who lives and breathes confidence more than any player I've ever seen in my entire life, like, you even saw it in game one this year where he starts the game with Lucic and Nordstrom, looks like absolute ass, gets a shift with uh, Manjipani and Backlund, this is against Winnipeg, looks like all of a sudden creates three scoring chances. Yep. Get this guy some support. Isn't that the point of this? Like, I it's, it's, yeah, got a goalie. Like, isn't there a sports psychologist, somebody who works on the team who can work with Sam Bennett? It wasn't that the point of bringing a guy like Glenn Goldson in because he, oh, he understands the young players of today. He he understands the young players of today. Okay, all of a sudden the Dougie Hamilton relationship is ruined. He's gone. Glenn's fired. Half the young guys are pissed. Sam Bennett's career has been completely derailed. Like, what the fuck's going on with this with this coaching staff? I don't know, man. And, you know, part of it, you said the confidence thing and it's the emotion thing, right? It's like, why do you think he's so effective in the, in the playoffs? He's fucking emotional. Like he can, he rides that emotion in the playoffs. That's what he fuel. That's his fuel. You can't do that in 82 games, but has anybody ever taught him to sit it, sat him down, like come up with a game plan. This doesn't seem like it. It's just emotion after demotion. You get, you get like a quick chance Turned around. Look. And look, sure, you compare that to other players like Dubé and Mangiapane, who when they get the opportunity, they seize it. And yeah, I get it. That's part of the NHL and, you know, the cream rises to the top, right? But if he's on your team and you're not going to trade him, then why aren't you investing in every single person on your team? Like there's only what, 23 guys on, on the team? Out of those 23, maybe five need like, you know, that extra, whatever it is from management and coaching. The fact that this club has not seen, nobody knows what the cap and Sam Bennett is. To me, that's sad. We don't even have a fucking clue. And some people have voiced this and I'm in the same boat. If he goes to another, another team, I fucking hope he scores 20 goals and makes Brad look like an idiot. Now he might not, right? 
Um, he might just be a regular season dud. What are you telling me if he gets traded somewhere within the Canadian division and we have to play Sam Bennett in the playoffs, you're not going to be terrified? Imagine he's on the Oilers and you play the Oilers in the first round. Imagine he's on the other side of the battle of Alberta. Like again, like, another thing like, that shows we... you like in the, in those games, in those highly contested Oilers games, who is one guy who without fail showed up every single night, laid a big hit, was fighting like every time he's nailing Dar- no, Darnell Nurse. He's fighting Darnell Nurse. He's nailing guys left, right, and center. Where the fuck is Lucic? Dicking around on the bench. Yeah, that was, that was when he started to actually turn the season around because everyone in the fan base was telling me he's a so, fucking idiot. It's just annoying to me, like, and I'm not trying to compare Lucic and Bennett because, like, obviously everyone would have, uh, have Lucic and Bennett or Bennett than Lucic. But, like, when you look at how other players are treated, fucking Lucic can be an absolute liability every time he's on the ice, give the puck away every second doesn't do what he's here supposedly to do, which is fight and be a physical presence. Doesn't do that. Doesn't have an impact on any area of the game, seemingly, other than the guys like him. Yet he gets rewarded. He gets to, oh, he gets to be bumped up and play with Michael Backlund all the time. He gets to play on the power play. He gets all the power play two minutes. So, and again, like, I'm not a person who is a big Sam Bennett believer. Like, I'm, I'm kind of like... Yeah, no, you're I, in the... I think, you're on I'm the on the side. other side of this of like, yeah. I don't think he is. I don't think no matter what it's going to work in Calgary. Yeah. Because I think it's pretty much a done, <laughs> a done deal. I think it could work somewhere else, but I mean, I under, I am still of the, I'm still frustrated with how the club has handled them because I think it is a lot of their fault. hundred percent. I mean, this guy comes in, he's your highest ever draft pick. Is he not? Yep. And what emotional investment or even mental investment have you shown in this guy? Like I, maybe, you know, we saw it when he made his playoff debut as that rookie in a rookie. And then his first season under Hartley was it his first season was his best. Was that, uh, was that 15, 16, 15, 16. Yeah. He scored 18 goals, 18 assists in 77 games, rookie season. Dude, the guy's scored 18 goals in his rookie season as a 19 year old. And he's, he hasn't he hasn't even come close to that since, and it's just like you kind of got a sense that Hartley was working with him a bit, right? Well, and who did he play most of his time with that year? Backlund and Froelich. Guy, the guy Sam Bennett's played with dog shit for most of his career. Like his quality of teammates have been, other than that year, <laughs> and not great. I get it. I get the other side of the argument. Well, he hasn't made the most of his opportunities. Right. And it's just like, yeah, but does that mean he can't still be better than what we've seen? Exactly. Like, because he's the type of guy that, like you said, lives and dies off confidence. Either he has it and we've seen what he can do when he has it or he doesn't. And we also see those bad penalties we see are because of a lack of confidence. He's afraid that if he doesn't, like you just said, make an impact on every shift and get pucks away from guys then he's probably going to get demoted. And it's probably true. And it's just a, a negative feedback loop for him. And I mean, listen, like I, again, like you said, I'm more on the argument of like, Hey, look what guys like Manjupani and Dubé have done in there, but not everybody, not every human is the same. I think is the point, the broad point we're trying to make here. 
Exactly. And I mean, this whole emotion thing, like, what do you want him to be? Just a fucking robot? The guy's the opposite. That's why he's so good in the playoffs. It's like, what? Sword. How Mangiapan- Andrew Mangiapane or Dylan Dubé are going to progress in this league or how what they're given and make make what they are given to be successful is not going to be the same for Sam Bennett. So I always get caught up in the argument. Yeah, look at Dubé, look at Mangiapane. But then, like, I have to remember, like, everybody is completely different. Yep. If you give Sam Bennett fourth line minutes with guys, he's probably not because that's not his skill set. His skill set is not one like Andre Mangiapane, where he is a dynamite player in his own zone. And I'm, I'm probably guessing that the you know the fifty percent of the fan base that wants to keep him around probably says, "Look, we haven't even seen what Sam Bennett can do yet." And I got I'm here on this podcast right now saying that the reason why is because of management. Now it's not a hundred percent of the reason, but that's the catalyst that he needs. Like, it's just like, you know, those schools where you have whatever, maybe it's, maybe it's slower kids that need more attention, but when they get it, then they, all the pieces start to click in. Um, That's where I'm at with it. And I could be wrong, but just from looking at the human aspect of it and looking at what we have seen from Sam Bennett, um, to me, he could be potentially one of those little diamonds in the rough that, hey, if he goes to another team, if if there's a GM in this league that is on the, you know, if this is true, what, we're, what I'm saying here is true, and there's a GM in the league that is thinking along the same lines and he's already, you know, knows he has the right management and coach and he knows that Sam Bennett is going to be a little project, then I don't see how Sam Bennett can't score 20 goals. Um, under under different management and different club. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at. Where I'm like, I don't think it's gonna. I I don't think it's gonna work here, regardless. Just with everything that's happened. Um, like I don't foresee a scenario where Stan, Sam Bennett stays and emerges. I don't think just based on how this team, like where he is on the depth chart, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I just think like the best thing for everybody, for him, for the team. It just seems like it would be the best thing for everybody to do. And Sam obviously feels the same way. I'm curious where Brad Trilling's at with this. Um, He's radio silent, bro. Well, obviously. But where do you think he's at? Like, do you think he's like, oh, yeah, like, let's get you out of here, bud. Like, let's, you know, maybe he's going to use this as an excuse like he has done in the past with Brody and Jankowski. Uh, Adam Fox. Oh, he didn't want to be here. Yeah, I didn't exactly. want to be here, so I just, you know, I just dumped him for nothing. Or is he going to be on the other side of the fence and be like, "Look, Sam, I know we haven't given you what, you know, every opportunity, whatever, to succeed, and maybe he'll take some onus and some ownership around it and be like, hear me out. Let's give it one more fucking go. It's a shortened season, anyways. If things don't pan out, I'll move you in the off season, or you'll go to Seattle, or you'll go to Seattle. We should even talk about that potential." But I'm, I'm kind of curious. I kind of probably think it's the former just because we know this organization pretty well, man. And that's why I agree with you. It's not going to work here, but that's what makes me upset. That's what, that's what pisses me off with this whole situation is that the Calgary Flames organization can't make Sam Bennett work. That's what, that's what rattles me. Yeah. And I think, I do think there maybe is something to that. The fact that, I don't know if it's been confirmed that it has been an actual request, but the fact that the way it was worded, the way Friedman worded it was the agent said he was like a change of scenery or something like maybe there is just some leverage at play here. 
But I mean, for me, I, I imagine he just wants to play hockey. And right now he's playing eight minutes, nine minutes, 10 minutes a night with Lucic and Nordstrom is like, give me the fuck out of here. Um, so maybe it is some leverage. I would love for Brad to like, be like, Hey, we can make it work with you because like, what are you going to get for Sam Bennett too? Like everyone's like, Oh, we'll get Vince done. It's like, what in what fucking world are you getting Vince done for Sam Bennett or even the Victor Mede? Like, I think Sam Bennett's value is pretty, is pretty marginal right now. So if I'm Brad, I would hopefully, because the return on investment, if you say to Sam Bennett, well, you just said, let's give it one more go here, man. Like we can do this. Let's go. Let's see what you got. Stuff like that. Like, I think you're going to see it and if he gets the appropriate ice time and usage, you could maybe squeeze, even if he ends up leaving at the end of the year, even if he ends up getting selected by Seattle, maybe if you can squeeze the best pocket out of Sam Bennett he's ever played, maybe go on a playoff run or something. I don't know, but I have to agree. I would believe it would be the former. I would be surprised to see him on the team in the foreseeable future. It's going to be interesting. Um, we saw Obviously, it's different, but the most similar thing we've seen lately is from Froelich's agent last year. Yeah, where he didn't even say anything about a trade or a change of scenery. He just basically said something. Time. Yeah, he basically came out and said, "It's you know, I don't understand why this player is playing down this as far in the in the in the lineup." Made it a big public thing. Um, and the reason why it might be the the former is because later in the season, Michael Froelich gets traded. So way later, it took about 18 goddamn years. Yeah. So, but also even last night, it's interesting, right? Because Sam Bennett had the most amount of ice time. I think he's had all year last night. He's on power play two last night. Playing so with Backlund. Um, playing with Backlund. So he had over 15 minutes of ice time. He almost had 16 minutes of ice time last night. Wow. And He's maybe wiped. That, he hasn't played that long in it forever. Maybe that's already a response internally. Be like, shit, you know what? We don't actually want to lose this guy. Like, I don't like, it's the thing. It's just like dicking around with him. Right. And Simone has, has not <laughs> come on. Look, I get it. Sam Bennett needs like, he needs coaching, man. Fuck. Well, that's what it is to me where I keep saying, like, I don't think he can work. Cause it's like, he needs to, it's like, when you've been trying to learn something for so long and you've never really been taught it or developed properly at this point, it's like, it's too late in your current situation type thing. It's like, you can't work somewhere for four years, have them treat you like shit, have them not train you properly. You've developed all these weird, dumb habits. And then it's like, okay, now we're going to fix it all. It's like, it usually doesn't work that way. Exactly. So that's why I don't know if it can work in Calgary. And I mean, the other thing is too, like, Sam Bennett's in a contract here. Like there are, this is like millions of dollars are on the line for Sam Bennett right now. So he's going to do whatever it takes, anything that's in his power to ensure that he is getting the best. He's put in the best possible position to have a good contract presented to him next year. He's going to do. And who knows? Maybe this is Sam, just Sam Bennett's way of being like, I'm sick of being fucked around. Either make your decision, play me or trade me. Sam Bennett and, is voicing the he's voicing what the fans have been saying. Play yeah, him exactly. or fucking trade him. Make a fucking decision. But you gotta pick one. It's like even the thing with center. It's like where's Bennett gonna play? Jeff Ward. No, oh, center for sure. Center. Game one, he sucks and he's back to the wing. Make a goddamn decision. Like what a would you 
be scared shitless if if they reunited the Bennett Lucic Dubé line as your third line. What do you mean scared shitless? <laughs> to have Lucic getting those kept of minutes in the in the regular season. Lucic, yes. I I would not have any problem reuniting Bennett with Dubé and somebody else, but I don't want Lucic anywhere near that. <laughs> Unless it's the fourth line and they're playing. Yeah, did, no. Did no you, thanks. Did you, did you see Cassie's take um prior to the game against Montreal? I did not. Um so what she was saying is that she thinks that they should put the top line back to what it was, uh, having Lindholm on the wing. Actually, I'm not sure if she said to go back to the way it was, but she was advocating Sam Bennett is a, is a centerman and reunite the Lucic, uh, Bennett, and Dubé. Dubé line. Yeah. And then have Monge with Chucky and Backlund. I think Which that's what it was. I do like that. Yeah. And they go back to Lindholm. The thing is, the the Lindholm Chucky thing's working out nice. I just like, but here here's the other thing is like, coming back to this point. I mean, we've said it how, how many times? It's just like Brad Tree Living the way he's designed this roster. Like, where does he even fit? He doesn't. Like, why do you have eight centermen that can play in the NHL? Like, why why do you need that many? Yeah, baby, need, we need that depth. You just need the depth, eh? So that players just fade away into the oblivion. Well, and that's the thing too. I was talking about this. I think we were doing a live stream and I was like this internal competition nonsense. Like you're fucking telling me your bottom six wouldn't be better led by Sam Bennett, Buddy Robinson, Glenn Godden, and Matt Phillips. Like this internal competition, we need depth. Like all that this depth is doing is killing like energy. That's all we've heard all week, right? Oh, we need to play with more emotion. Need to be more emotional out there on the ice. Okay, let's put Lucic, who looks like he would rather be anywhere else in the goddamn world instead of Bennett. Give Bennett the ice time. Or, like, Buddy Robinson would skate his balls off if he was given Milan Lucic's ice. So, like, again, like you're saying, why do you have all these guys? Like, what's the point? Depth for what reason? What is the depth going to do? I don't get it. They're just like little fucking collector pieces for Bradshaw Living. He's Seriously, like, weird- like, is he the collector? He's the like, collector. It's he's just collecting guys to put it like it's so weird. Like trade trade <laughs> trade them if you don't if you're not going to use them. God. Now I'm not even a Sam. I'm again. I'm I need to always like I'm not even a big Sam Bennett like believer like defender, but it's fucking annoying. And listen, maybe Jeff Ward can be the guy. Like if anybody can do it. Well, maybe that's not not true. Like, I think <laughs> I think you need a, just a guy that can coach. Like, do you think uh, Trotz wouldn't be able to get the best out of Sam Bennett? You think Torts? You don't, you don't think John Tortorella would love to have Sam Bennett on his team? So maybe it's probably not Jeff Ward. Here I am, back to optimism, hope, wishful thinking. It's not going to happen here, folks. No, it's not. It really isn't. It's not going to happen. So just trade the fucking guy. Trade him. Everybody move on. That's what needs to happen. And I mean, I've said this a million times. It's like the thing that I think has been the most stupid with, with how they view Sam Bennett is that he is an offense, for, pretty much offense only centerman. That's what he was drafted as. That's what he was drafted for. Whether or not he's become that or not, that's still his skill set. I don't understand. Like they played him with Backlund a lot in his in his first few years, he's not a defensive player. He's a lot, he's pretty much Monaghan, but he's not a good shooter and he plays physical. That's what he is. He's one dimensional. He can score goals. Well, not one dimensional because he's physical. He can score goals. That's about it. 
That's what he does. Why and, have like that? That's what he was. That's what he was drafted for. That's what he did in junior. Obviously, it doesn't translate to the NHL that much. But I mean, he scored 18 goals, playing a lot of minutes on the second line in his rookie year. He, forcing him to be like again, like this fucking shit, where they're like, "Oh, everybody's got to be Patrice Bergeron." Like he sucks at defense. Don't give him defensive responsibilities. He's not a two-way forward. If you look at his underlying numbers, he's like, I think he's like a lot more like Monahan than people realize. He's an offensive, he's an offense only guy. So the fact that he's never like, fuck dude, I don't know. It's just, it's really annoying how they've, how they've used him. Last point I want to make on it is just like, you already alluded to it. <sighs> he gets, he plays the way he does, right? And he's rewarded with a fourth line spot to start the season behind newcomers. Right. And it's just like, dude, this is, this is one of the things you learn in management. Like you need to treat your current employees better than your new ones. So I can see why he's upset. I can see why he's at the point he's at his breaking point. She's like, okay, give me the fuck out here. If I, if you're just going to, you know, dangle me around, get me out. So it's going to be curious to see how it plays out. It's either going to go one of two ways. I think it's a 70% chance he's traded, 30% chance we hang on to him. And if that if that 30% comes true and we hang on to him, then he, if he doesn't, if, if he keeps, you know, being mediocre and not getting a lot laid up playing time, it's just a matter of time until we trade him later in the season. Or just let him walk for nothing or lose him in the expansion draft. I'd but at this that, at this point, I don't think Seattle would be taking him over Shillington, and I still think they'd take Shillington over him. But the only limiting factor in me assuring that he does get traded is that we've seen Brad pull this shit as recently as Mark Jankowski. So yeah, and then he'll be like, "Oh, he wanted to go." I mean, we would have loved to have the guy. We really tried to make it work, but I Can't ran out of time. Guaranteed, yeah, ran out of time. That's what he's gonna say. I'm gonna say there's a five percent ch- chance that Bennett makes makes it work in Calgary. I, I think it's over. Where are you I've, at? I I've been at or? that it's over for a long time. I was in the camp. You should have traded him in the summer when his value is high. I don't see it working here. I would love nothing again. Like I have nothing but love for Sam Bennett. Like he entered this team at the rebuilding stage where I think a lot of people got back on board with what this team was doing. He was instantly a fan favorite based on his playoff performance and the way he played, had a really good rookie campaign. Like, I mean, how can you not love the guy? Just again, go watch the highlights over the past five years of the Edmonton games or any time a teammate gets hit. Who do you think is beating the shit out of them? Five seconds later, Sam. How many, how many times did this guy stand up for Jankowski getting pushed around? Like every single time I will take Sam. I will take Half of Sam Bennett on my team over 200 Milan Lucic's. So I have nothing but love for Sam Bennett, but that's why I want him to go elsewhere too, right? It's like, yep. for him, it's going to be better. Yep. It's just so. kind of like, you know, when you know you have to end a relationship and it's yep. just like, you know, it's for the best for everybody. Yeah. Just fucking and, just do it. And I don't think he's going to go on to be like this number one center, 20, 30 goal scorer that he was always going to be. But I think he could be a useful piece for another team. So what do you think we get back in return? Is it going to be, if Brad moves them, is it going to just be, okay, we traded Sam Bennett to this club for this, or is it going to be part of a package? 
Well, what that's you, what you think is going to happen here. Again, like we were talking about, it's like, is he going to pull the just give him away for whatever because of his dumb, oh, he doesn't want to be here dressing room bullshit. Like, I can't imagine Sam Bennett, who's been here as long as guys like Monahan and Gaudreau, is causing a, like, there's no way Sam Bennett is causing a ruckus in the dressing room, in my opinion. No. Even with this being out there. No. Like, the guys like Sam Bennett. He's been Every, around forever, right? Everybody in that dressing room knows. If you ask them if what they would do in Sam Bennett's position, they'd be like, yeah, I want to get the hell out of here too, right? And they'd be like, I hope to God he trades him. Yeah. For Sam Bennett's sake. So the only thing that I'm thinking, like, maybe they just give up, give him up for whatever is, again, we've seen Brad do that, where he just throws guys away for, like, Paul Bond, Brett Kulak. Well, we got Stone here. We don't really have room for you. Get the fuck out of here for nothing. So, and, <laughs> I mean, Adam Fox is a little different example, but I could see it happening where it's like, yeah, they traded Bennett for a fourth round pick and we're just super stoked with the two point whatever in cap space they got back. So I could see that being a scenario. I could see it because that's the other thing too is that it's got to work cap wise. Like everyone's like, oh, trade him for this, trade him for that. Like the Flames are right up against the cap. Anything that's coming back needs to equal whatever Sam Bennett's making, which is like 2.6 or be less than that. So it's got to work money-wise, too. So you can't be out, like, going, oh, we're going to pick up this guy, this guy. It's got to work cap-wise, too. So I think you either see him get it traded for a pick or maybe, like, a type, a one-for-one one type thing. I, yeah. I don't know. The other thing is, too, like, if it's going to be a package, like, who else is in it? Like, who on well, this team are they trading well, at this I know. point? That, to me, that's a great question because – this Pierre-Luc Dubois thing where Calgary yeah. was in it, in on it right to the last minute. Apparently <laughs> what was being reported is that it was going to be a big deal, a big trade, meaning players of significant, you know, importance going back and forth from either. Well, and we've heard Hannafin was involved in the Taylor Hall. Hannafin and Bennett for Hall was out there last year, but fuck dude. I don't know if you can trade Hannafin right now. Jeez. Well, that's my point. You can't trade anybody. Yeah, like other than Rasmus Anderson and Geo, like there's only <laughs> two people that have been struggling out of the gate. How would you trade Monahan right now? You can't trade anyone. How could you trade it? Yeah, go down could the you roster. Like, how are you supposed to take anybody out of this roster other than fucking Lucic? Um, so that's where I don't think a package makes sense because again, the the guys who the usual suspects, there's no way you can trade Noah Hannafin right now unless you're getting a King's ransom back because he's your best defenseman right now. Um that's, that's kind of it. I don't think Chris Tanev is getting moved. <laughs> I don't think Andrew Mangiapane is getting moved. I would kill myself if he did. Um, like, there's unless Backlund's getting moved, I don't know. There's not really, I don't think, and again, nobody's taking on these big money deals. So I think it's either going to be like a pick or just a one-for-one one type thing. I bet you what's going on right now is Brad has met with with Bennett and probably his agent. And just said, look, here's our situation. You know, we'll put out some feelers. Um, it, it's probably not going to happen right away. But we want to get you to a place that's going to work for you and get something back that's going to work for us. In the meantime, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Jeff Ward does his best to give him a bigger role. I think we've seen enough from Simone. Um, he was the guy out last game, wasn't he? I don't know why Simone's out Nordstrom still in or Derek Ryan for that matter. But yeah, I, I pick up what you're putting down. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see that. Um, but like we're both saying, it's probably not going to work out anyways. 
but we're still really upset about the whole situation. Um, and so, but maybe what that does is it buys Brad Tree Living a little bit more time to really assess if he's going to put together a package who makes sense to go because we've only seen seven games of the season still super early. We've barely seen any hockey. Yeah. I, I'm not. Ex- uh, yeah. Again, I don't even know what to expect. I'm not expecting much regardless. It's to me, it's going to be, I, I just can't see Brad living putting together a package for, for pretty much anything this year with money being so tight and like who's available. And I don't know. I, just, yeah. I don't know. All right, a couple more players I want to um, bring up before we break, get to the game, which won't take long. There's not a lot, not really much to break down, but um, you already mentioned him. Met, Mete requested trade. So he's a defenseman on the Habs. Yeah, and the, he and Bennett share an agent as well. So that's why there's some like, ooh, what about a swap for those two guys? But you're saying Mete is a way more valuable asset? I think so. He's, again, if you get Victor Mete for, for Sam Bennett, I'd be pretty happy with that. But the problem is this team already has... Obviously, Mede is better than Shillington, but you already have a bunch of young defensemen you've buried. <laughs> so I I would like Victor Mede. If you could do Bennett for Mede one for one, I don't think you're doing it one for one. Mark Bergeron said he's not trading Mede. So yeah. I don't see that happening. I would be happy with that, though. He's a really good young defenseman. And then, like, is this is this a new trend we're going to see here? Like, this is three trade requests in a span of, what, two weeks? It's the Dubois effect. Is this the NBA, the new NBA? Why not? I like it. When players dictate, like, Sam Bennett's probably like, shit, why didn't I do this two years ago? Fuck, no shit, eh? <laughs> okay, the other name, uh, Konechny. What's going on there? He's Holy healthy shit. scratch. This is your, your the Flyers' top center. Like, that's literally like the Flames scratching Gaudreau, isn't it? Like, this is insane. This is unprecedented. Is that, have we, we heard from Travis Konechny? Do we know what's going on? There's obviously something going on. Apparently, yeah. all Vigneault said was that he needs to be better five on five. That's really all I've heard about the whole situation. So, another thing to keep your eye on, like, look, I don't think we're anywhere near a Konechny trade, but... Konechny for Gaudreau, dude, because Gaudreau wants to go to Philly. He wants to go to Philly, okay? How good has Johnny Gaudreau been? Holy... Dude, it's so it's almost comical how like how quickly he's put to rest this dumb shit, and how like all off season anybody with a brain was like, don't worry about Gaudreau, and he's been nothing short of great. <laughs> like it's it's just it's almost funny how how good he's been. Yeah. Yeah, Eric Francis is like, he's still doubling down, but he has to double down, dude. He has, he to. has to, he has, he has no to. choice. Yeah. His reputation's on the line. What he's reputation? Do everything. Cause that's why he started, you know, that's why he started this Gaudreau sucks stuff because he wants, like, he's trying to lend credence to the Gaudreau has to go. Gaudreau has to go. Gaudreau has to go because he's been the only one saying Gaudreau's leaving. So it's just this circle. Eric Francis has created for himself. I hope to God, even if it even if it's not the right hockey move or or the right move for the Flames, like I would pay Johnny Gaudreau so much money just to just to destroy Eric Francis's reputation. Like I would sign that guy for like twenty years, like two hundred million dollars, and like ruin the next ten years of Flames cap space just to be like, see Eric Francis. Oh God! What reputation? Yeah, good point. Does anybody even like him? It doesn't seem like it. 
you're a fucking loser. Nobody likes you. No, nobody likes him. I understand it. Does poor Ryan Leslie has to sit there with him, and he's probably just like, "Fuck, I hate this guy." Do organizations like Sportsnet like do any vetting? Do they do any research into you know who reports for them? Because it just seems like the the Oilers journalists are just as bad. Dude, have you seen McDavid's uh, interviews this week? Oh, no. that, that poor guy. Like, man, it's just unbelievable the questions they ask him. They're just like, so Connor, your penalty kill wasn't very good. Was wasn't very good last year, and it wasn't very good this year, and it hasn't been very good. What? what any comment on that? <laughs> Connor's like, I'm not on the penalty kill. <laughs> it's insane. Leon Drysdale currently has six assists, and the Oilers are beating the. See what I mean? It's eight to five. The Oilers have allowed five goals from the Ottawa Senators, and the only reason they're winning is because they scored eight. Yeah, they're gonna win every if they if they don't score eight, they don't win. So the Canucks just swept the Sens, um, but the Canucks are looking better. They're starting to trend up. They beat Winnipeg four one. Um, look, I said this. I thought it was good timing playing the Leafs. I don't think we played them. You know, at their best hockey, both those games, you probably could have won, maybe deserved a win. Um, then you go into Montreal. Look, Montreal is the hottest team in the division right now. So the fact that we went in there and split uh, a, ser- a mini series with them and Markstrom had to steal, steal you a game, I'm not even too upset about um, because I think they're the hottest team in the division right now. We're going to go into Winnipeg. Got a three-game stretch here. I think Winnipeg is starting to maybe cool off just a bit, so it might also be good timing. I think that first game is going to be really important because if we can kind of stifle them a bit, um, we might help them cool off a little bit more as opposed to if they if they have a similar game as we had in game one where we have them where we want them, then we let them back in and they build more momentum. Um, we might even lose that series as well. So game one's critical. Well, it's weird. You like I I know everybody was pissed off and frustrated after those Montreal games, but it's so hockey is so weird. It's like you play two games against the Leafs where you should have won. Like 99 times out of 100, you win both of those games. But every bounce goes against you. It seems on every shift and you lose both of those games. You come into Montreal and you play pretty well outside of a first period, but you can't buy a goal. And then the next game you don't show up and you win the three games you lost. You should have won the one game you should have lost. You like, it's so hockey is so fucked up. It's just insane. So the flames need to somehow I'm, they needed to get that win. They did, but they need to somehow find some sort of equilibrium here because they're losing games. They should win and they're winning games. They should lose. And they're playing great. And they're playing like lights out in the second period. And then they're absolute dog shit in the next period. They need to somehow like it's been seven games. Now, hopefully you're kind of starting to start writing, like getting into an equilibrium, getting into a rhythm. That's what we need to start saying. Even if, even if they lose, like we need to see consistent night after night, the same team showing up, Yep. you know, I, we, can't, I actually... we can't have them dominating Toronto. And then, Laying an egg against the Habs. I actually thought this was a three-game series against the Habs. So when I looked at the yeah, schedule, me too. Actually, it's like I'm all fucked up. But when I looked at the schedule, I was pretty excited that we're out of Montreal. To be honest, yes, I, I don't want to play them again right now. They're no. they're playing their best hockey. We're not. 
not a good recipe. So I'm glad we're going into Winnipeg. Winnipeg is probably looked the second best <laughs> through six, through seven. I guess they played more than we have. But um, they just lost to Vancouver. It was in the second half of a back-to-back. But they they kind of do this, right? And I don't know. There's still no word on Dubois. I'm going to assume that they're – the sound. The last thing I heard was that the league was pushing and they were into him getting, you know, um, the – whatever they call it, the higher echelon of, you know, essential work that he could be, you know, ex- expedited for his quarantining. But that hasn't been official yet. So we'll maybe maybe they don't have him for game one, but this might be good timing too. We got to take advantage of it. Again, take advantage. This is the season where you have to win the any game that you have any advantage, any game that you should win and you need to win. You have to win because shortened season, all the shit that's happening, like every single advantage you 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 have, you need to take full advantage of. So, and you need to take wild. advantage when you have a goalie playing this well. Is oh. Markstrom going to be this good all season long? I, I don't see how he can be. And I mean, the, I'm, the I'm thing sure... that's crazy about how he played against Montreal is like, even on the Suzuki save, which was like the highlight of the night save, where it was like, wow. Like all of his saves looked like you always hear this. Well, he makes it look easy. He makes it look fucker makes it look so easy. Dude, right? As, like, compare that to Mike Smith, man. <laughs> makes a glove windmill save from like a wrister from the red line. Mike Smith would have flopped like three times on his way getting across a crease that the same play, play uh, save that Markstrom made. Like Mike Smith, if he would have saved that, would have looked like a like a freaking circus. <laughs> and he wouldn't have saved it. Oh no, it'd be in the back. He probably would have let the sure. first shot in. Yeah, it would have five hole. Right, five I hole. was incredibly impressed with Mark. Again, I he continues to blow my mind with how good he's been. Yeah, it's um, unbelievable. It, yeah, it's it is really, really unbelievable. Okay, um, Dubé. So, thoughts on the hit? I saw on Instagram that you thought it should have been a penalty. It probably, yeah. Look, I'm kind of – I'm not surprised it wasn't a suspension. I know, obviously, Habs fans were going crazy, and it's one of those things where, sure, a lot of people watching from you know a non-biased perspective thought it should have been. Look, it was so close to call. Those angles, you couldn't even get, like, a true shot at it. Like, what – I'm not even convinced the head was the principal point. Yeah. Like if you slowed it down to a fraction of a second, like a sliver of his shoulder hits the crest and then his head's so down. down? Yeah. There's, there's two angles. There's one angle that looks really, really bad. Like the one that's kind of on the right side of the net and you're like, holy shit. He like creamed his head. But then the other angle for it's more of an overhead angle. It doesn't look nearly as bad. Yeah. If you're looking at it from behind, and you can't see where the principal point yeah. is, where contact is. It looks like it's the head, but you, you don't know. The only but, thing is that he didn't, the only thing that is like, he didn't have the puck and it was kind of a blindside hit, but they didn't suspend Tyler Myers for his hit on that, uh, on that, was it a Winnipeg guy? Who the fuck was it? Somebody on the Winnipeg and it was a brutal hit or no, it was on a Montreal guy. Yeah. It was an absolutely terrible hit. And they didn't suspend him. So I didn't expect them to suspend Dubé. But I wouldn't have been surprised if they did either. But the outrage from Montreal fans was a little... Has everybody on social media just lost their goddamn mind? I can't even go on there anymore. 
I know it's pretty ridiculous, dude. It's insane. It really is. But thank God we got him in the lineup because what are we undefeated with Dubay's in the lineup and we're we haven't won when he's out? Dubay's our savior, man. I thought he actually didn't have a particularly great that that was the first game the top line looked meh. Bucky really struggled, I thought, with the gas, couldn't make a pass. But Dubay's speed, man, just just that speed alone. It's just man. Just the speed, just his 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 um just his game. He's fast, he's fit, he's physical, maybe a little too much so. But he, yeah, he's he's like he's like Gaudreau, except stronger and more physical to me. You know, he's like a, he's like a combination of Bennett and Gaudreau. Yeah, exactly. He he's he's fast. He's hard in the puck. He's hard in, first in on the forecheck. Always laying guys out, but he has so much skill. So, I mean, having a guy like that back is always beneficial. Yeah, I think um, you know that top line is just they'll they'll be fine. Those guys will bounce back. Oh, totally. Especially with how dominant they've been outside of that game. So, yeah. All right. Um, any other takeaways from the game? I mean, obviously, like you said, the, the first was decent. Johnny gets, dude, that snipe from Johnny was, oh, man. But that, well, that is the nicest goal of the season. I can't even stand and stand. I can't even believe they haven't been wearing those jerseys. Like, those jerseys are incredible, dude. Dude, I, I enjoy just, watching them play on the road so much more. I just stare at them, dude. It's, I it's, know. It's kind of ridiculous, actually. Like, oh, my God. That was a beautiful goal. That power play is working wonders. My only takeaway was, fuck, dude, like this team needs to learn to play with a lead. Yeah. Because, fuck, man, like Jeff Ward's comment, oh, we're going to play like we did in the playoffs. Oh, so if you get a lead, you're going to sit back and have your goaltender bail you out and hold on for dear life. That seems to be the plan. (laughs) Hope to God your goaltender can be unhuman. Like that game was literally carbon copy of that game against Dallas where you won 2 nothing. Yeah. And Talbot was insane and that's the only reason you won you only won that game because of jacob markstrom that's it and i know it was weird to me that everybody was like oh they played so much better against in this game than they did the previous game they're playing with lots of emotion like on like i'm like what are you talking about yeah they took eight dumb penalties exactly that's what what their emotion got them playing with emotion baby oh we're getting penalized and we suck (laughs) fuck So I don't know. I thought they, geez, if that wasn't a wake up call, man, like if, if Markstrom's on net, you lose that game five, six, two, probably like easily. So I, I didn't like that game at all. You're going to have games like that, but it's a little concerning because the, the two games they've had a lead, the Winnipeg game, they had a lead after the first period and the Montreal game. It was just like, got the lead and we're not doing dick all for the rest of the game. So that's a little concerning to me. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this in the last podcast, coming back to this whole game plan. Like I, I'm sure Barry Trotz has a game plan laid out for every game going to the game. Right. And there's probably, you know, fundamentals that are the same for every game. Like, okay. Number one goal in the game is get the first goal. Yeah. Right. And if you don't get the first goal, then you're probably your number two goal is to tie it up. You don't want to go down two, Right. And you just go from there and he probably has the same thing. If you have a one goal lead, how do you want to play? Do you sit back? No, you probably want to keep pressing until you get a two goal lead. Like there's probably a lead, you know, that a this guy like Barry Trotz wants to see his team um, take before they change their style and play. Like what were the flames doing, man? Like they, they got absolutely dominated after the first period. 
they are out high danger chances in in the game were 17 to 4 for Montreal. 17 to 4. In the second period, they were eight nothing. What oh, are you doing? Man. Like, what are you doing? And to me, again, it all comes back to exactly how they were playing in the Dallas series. They got those leads and they would just like they weren't dictating, they weren't pressing in the offensive zone. It was just like five guys back behind the red line and Whoa. just collapse in the net and hope to God that your goalie is going to save every single shot. It's not even like they're shutting it down. Like the devils would like, yeah, they're not, yeah. it's not like they're shutting down the neutral zone, right? They're, they're not like, shutting down. They're shutting down, but they're not, they're not prote- like, they're not protecting the lead. They're just defending the lead. Right. It's a good way they protected it. it and played the neutral zone trap and it was boring as shit. And they won. I would be bored, but I'd be happy. Instead, I have to sweat for 48 minutes because they're just like defending the net like it's a castle. <laughs> Markstrom's just the last line of defense. So it's just, that's a little concerning to me to see that happening again. So after seven, we're three, three, and one. We're back to 500. Um, that was a big game to win. So regardless of how it happens, um, I mean, do we not know that? You know, 10 games in, they'd be about 500. I'm not surprised, you know, this far into the season that we're sitting at 500, 500 right now. There's still so much room for growth in this team, man. Like, like we just said, even playing with a lead. I mean, you and I, we, we both put a poll out there on both Twitter and Instagram. Like, what's harder to watch? Playing behind or playing with the lead? Playing with the lead right now is harder to watch. The lead is way worse. It's like, it's giving me night terrors and just like in the Leafs game when you finally tied it up and then you sit right back yeah exa- like, exactly like Ward's got to figure this out man he's got to figure out what type of style is he going to play when he gets the lead I don't think a one goal lead you change your style at all well again that was one of the hallmarks of the team in the historic season that we never shut the fuck up about was that quick strike you score one two three it's game over yeah now it's like score one, hold the fuck on, boys. It's going to be a long night. Yeah. So regardless, like we said, super early in the season, a lot of kinks to work out. Um, so we're just going to have to see. There's a lot of storylines to keep track of here. Moving yeah, forward. my last comment and probably a good place to wrap up is like, I don't know what's going on with Rasmus Anderson, Mark Giordano. They've been your worst deep pair through seven games. They they were on the ice, like I said, Montreal out chances seventeen to four. Gio and Anderson were on the ice. Gio was on for ten of those chances. Rasmus was on for nine. Yikes. I don't know what's going on, man. Like, can Rasmus not handle the top competition? Because that's really the only variable that's different. Because last year he spent most of most of, he played a little bit with Gio, but most of his time was spent playing with Hannafin or even on the third pairing is where he started the season. So he wasn't seeing like the elite top minutes he's seeing that now and he's struggling yeah well do you guys i guess we just got to remember it's still a small sample size right yeah but i just like i keep i i'm not i think i think they're gonna be fine but i keep saying that <laughs> game after game they're getting caved in yeah so i that's the one thing i'm watching in this three game set with winnipeg is very closely is what erasmus and geo doing yeah there's lots of storylines here Keep, keep track of one's Bennett what happens with Bennett in these next three games um, and then what happens if we get the lead in any of these games I'm curious to see how we play 
Um, and then hopefully Mark and Markstrom can keep rolling and we'll just see, we'll be, we'll be 10 games in after, after this three game set. So hopefully, hopefully we're above 500. We go two and two and one year at least. Welcome to Blue Notes. I am one half of your Blue Notes team, Tom Franklin, joined by my teammate, the man called Wags. And we are your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. And that includes expert analysis, whether it's at Enterprise Center. When you're fighting for spots for the playoffs, one or two points could make the difference. And we'll be looking back at games like tonight here at Enterprise Center as lost opportunities. Or at home. Penalties, that was a big, big piece. You know, you're wearing down some of your best players because they're out on the, the ice for so many penalty kill opportunities. Just a complete breakdown. Blues first round pick, Jake Neighbors. Brayden Chan texted me and then uh, the head coach, Craig Berube, reached out as well. And um, Ryan O'Reilly as well. And then um, the next day on day three of the draft, uh, Tarasenko FaceTimed me. So uh, that was pretty cool. So. <laughs> and we're the only hockey podcast in the Hockey Podcast Network to have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent the Hawaii Blues fan, Guy Bensing. In true Dan Kelly fashion, Dan Kelly says, F you, Keaton. I know who's the starting pitcher for game four of the World Series. You damn well know who the starting goalie is for game four of the NHL season. And then walked away. And we have a musician too. Not only is he responsible for this fat beat you're listening to right now, but he has also performed absolute works of art. And it seems to me you played the game with a candle to your ear Never wanting to leave the eyes when the pain set in So check out Blue Notes wherever you get your podcast from. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump Listen to Blue Notes and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun.